Welcome to the Herd Mentality Podcast, an eclectic weekly mix of atheistic and humanistic conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection, and God willing, get an interesting conversation for you to listen to. I'm your host, Adam Reeks, and it's time to meet our guests. All right, so welcome to our guests. We have Elliot, who goes by the name Opusatrum, and we have Save the Freak, who whose name I don't even know. And My name's Danny. Danny, okay, well, um, you don't have to... Th- this is entirely an anonymous podcast. You don't have to reveal anything you don't wish to uh, unless you choose. But basically the gist of it, um, because I, I doubt you've had a chance to listen to the first episode, it hasn't yet hit the iTunes store, although it is up on my server and you are able to download and have a listen to it. The idea is we call people up, I call people up, and quiz you on what's going on in your world. So back to, very very briefly in the first episode, we had three people on the show. We had the musical atheist, he's from the US. Uh, in fact, all three were from the US. We also had Tanner from the No God cast, and we had Atheist Drummer, and it was a pretty interesting chat. We, I wasn't intending to turn it into a podcast, I just happened to have it on recording for the most part, and thought, well, this is worthwhile, I think. So, we'll kick off with Elliot, Opus Atrium, at Opus Atrium on Twitter. So, tell us about your handle. How did you come to choose that one? Well, I, I'm an artist, really. I do wood carvings. Oh, cool. And uh, when I sort of started, I guess, my evolution into becoming an atheist, I started doing some kind of dark, uh, Bible-based, sort of anti-Bible pieces. Like, I'd make a... I'd carve a jail cell-looking contraption, and I'd wrap it in Bible verses and seal it all up. So I don't, I don't know. It just sort of felt like a uh, fight against the the uh, the Bible, I guess. I don't know. And using Latin was sort of an homage to that. That's well, I, I quite like that. And what do you? That's your professional job. You're a woodcarver. Well, it's my hobby, really. I haven't sold anything. I've sold a couple sketches. Um, and I made a couple, like, I've drawn a couple tattoos for people, but mostly it's just a hobby. Okay. Um, well, Van Gogh didn't send a, uh, didn't sell a, a painting until, well, well, well after it was gone, so I'll wait until you jump off the perch and I might offer you 10 yeah, cents you for a wood carving. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I, I write, um, professionally, semi professionally I mean, I wouldn't say professionally, I don't have, uh, a real study gig right now, but I try to do uh, freelance stuff online. Uh, how old are you, Elliot? Uh, 29. I'll be 30 tomorrow, actually. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Well, let me be the first to say happy 30th, because I'm 30 for the next three days. Uh-oh. Yeah, so I'm all of, what, one year and two days older than you? It's, it's, uh, I can no longer tell people I'm in my 20s, so I guess it's a little <laughs> depressing. We're very close to the... Well, you're, you're summer solstice, because you're Northern Hemisphere, I'm Southern Hemisphere. It's absolutely freezing cold here in Sydney, but it's a beautiful day. Here it's um, quarter to seven in the morning. I'm looking out the window, and it's going to be a beautiful day. It's quite nice outside here as well. It's about 80 degrees. See, that always frightens me when Americans tell me what the temperature is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, that's fair. I'm sorry, I can't do the uh, calculation in my head. I do forget. We're not uh, we're not all on the you know the metric system and the Celsius system, which seems to me a little stupid. 
because the rest of the world is, why don't we standardize it? Well, yeah, it's a bit like giving me the temperature in cubic furlongs. I have to, <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back to uh, because the the crossover point is minus forty degrees for the temperature conversion. So at minus forty degrees, both Celsius and Fahrenheit are the same temperature. Okay, I, I got to break out like my little trans, my little uh, conversion calculator on my Android here to figure it out. Ah. Okay, so where whereabouts do you live? Where are you based? Um, I'm in uh, I'm in Wisconsin, here in the states. Uh, it's a little town called Grand Chute. It's right by Appleton, which is kind of a college town. Uh, Lawrence University's here. Um, it's Green Bay area. Okay, well, I can't say I'm familiar with it at all, which is why I thoroughly enjoy these conversations. But it's got green in the title, so it must be nice. Yeah, I've it is quite friend, nice. I've got a friend from Wisconsin, so I sort of know what he's talking about. Ah. Mostly yeah. farmland and cows around yeah, here. Yeah, basically. That's what he, he seems to describe it as. <laughs> okay, and so save the freak. I'm, cause Hello? I'm, just, I'm just going to call you that because I think it's far cooler That's than fine. your real name. In fact, <laughs> um, I was even contemplating using my online gaming name uh, to do this podcast to my because I quite enjoy the odd game of StarCraft or League of Legends or so forth. And my online nickname is Scrotok. S-C-R-T-O-K, and I chose that because it sounds Vulcan. <laughs> I'm quite the Star Trek like, fan. Um, the lady friend has just got into Voyager. She's a big fan of Janeway's female empowerment. Are either of you Star Trek fans at all? Uh, mm, my housemate is a big Star Trek fan. Me, not so not so much. Okay, well, you're... I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> Although I haven't really, I haven't, I haven't watched all of the original series. Funnily enough, I guess I was too young for it, or I was wasn't around when it was being made, so I never really got into it. But when I got into uh, the next generation, that was it for me. I think you and I have a lot in common, Elliot. We, uh, <laughs> I, I never really got into the original series because I'm not a fan of cardboard sets. <laughs> but when the next generation came out and Data was a oh, character, yeah. just yeah. such a compelling character and his his reasoning and logic and the way he, he analysed situations was just so inspirational. I actually uh, attribute Star Trek to my interest in atheism, would you believe? Actually, I can see where you're coming from with that. It's sort of the, uh, there's, uh, they're encountering all these other peoples with all these other sort of belief systems. How can they all be right? They can't, you know? Yeah, and learning... Um, Go, going to learn about how they all roll on their different planets and, and then uh, trying to be as respectful as possible and, you know, not get locked up for it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was very rude of me, save the freak. Uh, whereabouts are you from? I am from um, a city called Leeds, which is in the north uh, east of England. It's 40 minutes up the A1 from Sheffield. Uh, yeah, approximately, yeah. I'm originally from closer to Manchester Way, but I've... Uh, recently moved, so that's all good. Okay, well, and do you live with your family? Uh, no, no, I live with my with my best friends. Excellent. Given that we've just met, and I just called out of the blue at random, I have the joy of seeing your profile pic on Skype, and I'm gonna uh, th- I'm gonna guess you're about twenty one, twenty two. Oh, you flatter me. I'm twenty. Right. Are you at uni in Leeds? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not. No, I, I work full-time on public transport. Okay. Well, what do you do? I'm basically just a steward on the on trains. Well, I've, time, you know? I've experienced English trains. Uh, I never oh. had a steward. 
uh, <laughs> I would. I always had the the idea that anyone who is a steward should be called Alfred. Uh, but we'll go with save the freak because that's more closely re- reflective of reality. <laughs> I suppose if you yeah. call your next steward save the freak, um, you might get lucky. There we go. So yeah. tell me how you got into the atheism geek. Um, I was I was raised Catholic. I was brought up. I went to a Catholic school, Catholic church. I used to be an altar boy. No jokes. Um, <laughs> so I've I've been brought up very religious. Um, but by the time of kind of high school and everything, I just started questioning it all and thinking, why 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 am I doing this? Church is boring, and I don't believe in it. Why am I here? And, yeah, it's just kind of escalated from there, reading lots of different things, and, yeah, no one's in my family is too strict on it, though, so I've been, I've been fairly lucky in that aspect. Are your family aware that you're an atheist? They are. Just earlier today, I was actually having a wonderful conversation with them. For some reason, recently, my dad started going to Quaker meetings, which is a bit weird, um oh, wow. and um <laughs> my mum's my mum's still loving the the Catholic thing. Mm. Um and I was I was just talking to them, I was saying that I um I enjoy chatting about atheism and they were saying, Oh why would you why would you do that? What's wrong with religion? And we started getting into this this proper actual quite deep conversation. I I was quoting Bible verses at them <laughs> and they were just like, oh, I, I don't remember that bit. <laughs> <laughs> They've got the selective memory. They have, yeah. My mum um, said um, that she doesn't remember that bit. I was quoting um, Jesus out of the New Testament when he's saying not to ignore everything about the Old Testament because I was trying to say that it's clearly Christianity or the Bible is is pretty evil, pretty atrocious evils that happen in the Old Testament, and she mm-hmm. was trying to excuse them because they are the Old Testament, and nobody listens to that. But, yeah, it's uh, it's all meant to be adhered to. So do your family fully comprehend what atheism actually is? Yes. I would I would say that they're, they're not foolish enough to think that, like, atheism itself is a religion, which a lot of people seem to think. Um, That's a common misconception, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it? It's a very common misconception, one that I don't particularly understand, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I said to them, I just don't believe in a God, and the, here's my reasons why. And they said, okay, that's fair enough, I suppose. <laughs> and your extended family? How did they take it? The rest of my family, like my siblings, um, which I've got, I've got three siblings, I, none of them are religious in any way. Um, they don't believe in a God or anything like that. I guess my grand, my one surviving grandparent, she's quite strict old bird, but, you know, that's all people. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're set in their ways, aren't they? Very set in their ways, yeah. There's certain things I won't be telling her. <laughs> <laughs> so, Elliot, tell us, um, have you always been an atheist? Have you, did you have a religious upbringing as well? Um, I was also raised Catholic, but not like, super strict. Not super strict, you know, just, uh, I mean, at least my, I mean, my dad wasn't really religious at all. My mom, you know, we want, she wanted me to go to church every Sunday and all that. I always found it. Completely boring and kind of irrelevant, and uh, I didn't really start questioning it probably until after high school. 
which would be like when I was about 18 or so. And then I just finally sort of came to the opinion that I didn't really believe it. I don't know if I ever actually did, if I was just sort of going along with the with the people around me, you know. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I mean, I've, I've never really hidden the fact that I'm an atheist, and I've never had any bad experiences. Like, I've heard some atheists have had with their families. Um, My whole family, and it's a big family. About There's about 40 of us between aunts and uncles. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's... Uh, Let's see, my mom's the oldest of, I want to say, six. So you want to be the oldest of six. And they were all, you know, always came up path like everyone goes to church. You know, I have a few cousins that were altar boys, um, and still are altar boys, actually. Um, but they're all pretty accepting, you know, I haven't really found any sort of heat against it. I think some people don't really, some of them don't really understand, you know. And they so have those. an altar boy is like Boy Scouts for the church, isn't it? Well, they, they sort of they, they they help out during the mass. Is my we help we help the priest. Um, we read the book. We bring the uh, the water to wash his hands with um, things like that. So you've basically grown up from being some sort of steward into being some sort of steward without belief in a god. <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah. I said, um, I don't I don't tend to wash people's hands personally. <laughs> Well, look, I have caught trains in England before. I've seen how much, and indeed paid myself, tickets. The ticket prices for trains in England are ridiculous. I would expect (laughs) not only somebody to wash my hands, but also to give me a Swedish massage for the sort of prices they're charging over there. That's that's very optimistic. They'd have to pay me a lot better for me to do that. We had the atheist drummer on the podcast previously, and he was he's from Alabama. And the first question I asked him was, how do you go being an atheist in Alabama? And he said, look, it's a a really tricky situation because you can't necessarily go out and be openly atheist in a community like that. But it sounds like both of you guys are quite fortunate in that, you know, you're not going to get strung up for it, hanged, shot, drawn and quartered for your beliefs. I mean, this isn't Turkey. (laughs) (laughs) The worst thing thing that I've ever had was just sort of a... You know, lively debate really wasn't even an argument. So, I've, yeah, I've been lucky. Well, a lively debate is certainly better than getting punched and dragged into a church. <laughs> yeah, or you know, just being. Yeah. A lot of people. I've heard a lot of people have been completely sort of cast out by their families, which is just terribly sad, really. It is. And do you feel that it's been useful for you having had that church upbringing to be able to now engage in those debates? Um, in to the, to a point, yeah. I mean, the Catholics. At least the Catholicism, the church that I was brought up at, the Bible wasn't really like a huge part of it, you know? You know, it's like, I was, I was always surprised when I sort of looked back, I was like, we don't even own a Bible, but we're Catholic, we're supposed to be Christians, isn't that like our book, you know? Well, if you want so, a Bible, there's a free one in every hotel, isn't there? Well, that's, yeah, there's a free one, they, they, they make sure they do that, there's a free one in every hotel, and I did actually, you know, go through it and read it, because I'm like, I should probably be informed about this if I'm going to make, like, a decision about, you know, the, my worldview or whatnot, but, uh... After reading it, it's just sort of, just sort of stupefies me as to why anyone can think this is a reasonable way to live. So, um, so you're not a fan of talking snakes? No, not a fan of talking snakes, not a fan of, you know, genocide or child murder or slavery or anything like that. I'm gonna have to kick you off this call then. You're Uh, you're missing (laughs) out. (laughs) You're missing out. Yes. Who hasn't indulged in a bit of casual genocide from time to time? <laughs> well, I heard it was fun, but 
I was talking to another Catholic, so... I do it at the weekends. It's great. Excellent. Well, <laughs> the English Defence League, they're, uh, they're a big fan of that sort of stuff as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what were you going to say, Save the Freak? Sorry, I was just going to say that for me, being brought up in a um, Catholic upbringing kind of strengthens my arguments. I, I, I've seen both sides of it. I know the more extreme ones, but my church was very much just like... It was an aged church, lots of just pleasant old people that mutter nice things about God and put a few pounds towards the charity. And so I like to say, yeah, I know there's lots of people, Catholics and everything, that are nice and lovely and don't do anyone any harm. I was brought up with that, but there's lots of them that do do a lot of harm. Yes, well, the Westboro Baptist Church, I think, is a prime example of that. Are they Catholic? They're not really any kind of. They're their own sort of Christian sect. They're, they're, they're just kind of out their own. They 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 um. Go I don't know. They're they're more like. Uh, well, you don't have to work. You know, sorry. Uh, you don't have to worry about them too much. There's only like what about a hundred of them. So. But that the dying. Yeah. But they read. <laughs> do they not read the same book? No. They they ripped out all the all the pages which they didn't like. Right. Yeah, it's more of a. It's more of like. I mean, it's more of a cult, really. It really has nothing to do with any of like yeah, the really good is. parts of Christianity. There's no like, there's no love thy neighbor sort of a thing. If you loved your neighbor, you wouldn't, you know, pick it as funeral. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, love thy soldier. Yeah. They, they do enjoy a good picket, don't they? The Westboro Baptist Church. Well, when I was <laughs> um, when I was quite young in Australia primary school, we don't have strictly separation of church and state it's we did have scripture lessons once a week and this lovely old lady called mrs cross ironic i think you'll agree <laughs> would come in and she'd <coughs> tell us all about jesus, jesus people going on arcs then once a year we'd do our easter thing and you know get an easter egg and it was a hoot you know everyone yeah. everyone had yeah. a great time and at this stage, I'd, oh, how, how old would I have been? Uh, year two. So I would have been about eight or nine. And I read, I had a copy of the Bible and I read it. <laughs> because I was big on reading. I just used to devour books. And I thought, well, okay, this doesn't quite make a lot of sense. It's not, uh, it's certainly no Harry Potter. That's for me. <laughs> so I read the Bible. And when, when, uh, but, but I also had, a, probably a bit of a broader context. I'd never been brought up in a, as a particular faith. My parents did a good job, I think, parenting, just allowing me to have my own space and choose what I wanted to choose. So I, I just vividly remember we had these scripture books and there were these big A4 books that the scripture teacher used to bring and then she'd hand them out to everybody and then she'd collect them at the end of the, the week and then she'd mark them. And I think she was a volunteer and I'd do kind of admire people who do volunteer work in the education system. But as I grew older, I began to think, wouldn't it have been better if she'd taught ethics instead? Because we had this uh, one lesson where we had to draw all the animals getting on the ark. So you had to draw a couple of elephants, uh, a <laughs> couple of fleas, uh, you, know, you know, all the stuff that makes sense. And I, I, ha I, drew the, um, I drew a unicorn with the Grim Reaper standing there with the scythe, standing out, trying to touch the unicorn. <laughs> and she, the next week I got my book back and I, and I had these big red crosses through all of the, all, all of the squares in this little comic strip that we had to do. 
Uh, and I still got the highest mark in the class at the end of the year. I understood more of it than I think anybody else had, which was probably detrimental to my belief in their faith. <laughs> but no, I'd never been an altar boy or any of that nonsense. That that just seems like an enormous waste of time to me. Yeah, you're missing out. <laughs> I've been robbed. I do kind of envy you guys for, for having experienced that. I think it's, I won't say a wonderful thing, but certainly it does prepare you with a greater worldview. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with that, although I would say going to a Catholic Mass, in my experience, it's, it's more ritual based, and there's not a whole lot of like learning that goes on. It's a lot of kneel, Stand up, sit down, 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 kneel, stand up, sit down. Then the guy reads whatever passage he's supposed to read on this day of the year, and it's uh, it's it's a lot of just sort of scripted mumbo jumbo. Hmm. The only the only thing that isn't scripted is the uh, is the sermon by the priest, yeah. and he'll make that kind of culture relevant however he wants to but that's that's all the that isn't scripted at the very start of it you get a script which says exactly what's going to be said so they're basically giving you the ending of the story before you've even begun i mean why why even bother why don't they just email it out to you then you can just say just sign it off and say yes i've read this and that's that's church done for the week here's here's some money let me let me send you some funds yeah well what i remember most of all as a kid was uh there was always this big light board in my church that had listed the songs that would be sung and what page they were on in the little hymnal book that we had. And I would, they would, they would be sort of marked off as the, after they were sung. So that was almost like a, a countdown timer for me. So I'd, I'd sit there sort of crossing my fingers waiting for that last one to come up. So I knew finally. After this, he's going to say, peace be with you, and blah, 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 yeah, and we'll all get to lose. It's time to get home and watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again. Yay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, right. So what was the most baffling tradition that you had to, to take part in? What, what was the most confusing thing that just made absolutely no sense to you as a child? Well, to me, it was at the beginning of Mass when the priest and the altar boys would come in and someone would be carrying the big cross yeah. and they would hang it up. At my church, we had like a, they already, they had a cross with Jesus being crucified on it, you know, all bloody and sort of emaciated looking. Mm-hmm. And they would hang it up to sort of pull your focus to that. And I was like, why are we, I thought we were supposed to love this guy. <laughs> like, why are we, why are we, uh, kneeling down at his, you know, sort of tattered remains. It seemed kind of ghoulish to me. Yeah, wouldn't it be more productive to put up a photo of Charlie Sheen and say, you know, you really want to love somebody? <laughs> check check out this dude. And what about you, Save the Freak? I've been um, I've been trying to think of it while you've been talking. I think uh, it, was, it was a good, like, I don't know, eight years ago. No, more than that since I did it. I'm trying to remember... I remember the bringing the cross down at the very front. We also brought along like two big ass candles that we'd have to place around the altar in some way and things yeah. like that. What, what, um, what, what I the, remember what the, the candles symbolic of a fire burning. <laughs> so they used fire to symbolise uh, fire. <laughs> yeah, basically, we're very unoriginal. Excellent. Um, did they have the thing, they have the thing where they 
uh, sort of put the candle out with the big hook thing, and they could light other candles with it, with the wick at the end. It was like a big metal crowbar-looking apparatus. We we had that, but that wasn't used, like, every mass. That was used on more special occasions. One more um, candles were lit. What? One more candles needed to be lit. You have to break out the, uh, the <laughs> industrial size <laughs> candle yeah. lighter. Yeah. Break out the flamethrower. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that was... I, I, there were some things, but I just can't remember. I remember thinking, this is a bit silly. I think things like the uh, the communion, the um, eating of the bread. I always wondered, why don't I get to drink the wine? Why are you having it all? I want some wine. Well, if Jesus really was that powerful... So, okay, you've got, you've got your flask of wine there that is being passed out to all the parishioners why, no, why the aren't they able to convert that into water for the under 18s <laughs> or at least cordial maybe it was just cordial you know for now at the end our, our priest would always drink that last swig in the bottom of the goblet you know that was still left in it. I always you know, they, he made sure to down it didn't he <laughs> yeah well and I'm, I'm thinking there's there's several masses Every morning. I mean, they go from, like, 7 a.m. to, like, 2 in the afternoon. This guy's drinking a lot of wine throughout the day. He wasted my lunch. Do they share the chalice? Because that's got to be a hepatitis risk. Well, yeah, they, they, at my church, they would, they would, you would drink from it, and they would wipe it off with, like, a, a cloth, a communal cloth. <laughs> the communal cloth? Well, I wouldn't call it, it not communal as in communion, more com- communal as in they're using the same cloth to wipe off the same spit from the same... 800 people that are at this church, you know. Do they not even douse the cloth in WD-40 or something to... (laughs) (laughs) Jesus will save you from hepatitis. Unlikely. (laughs) Unlikely. I remember they did that wifing thing whenever, or whatever occasion it was, but everyone went up to the front and they had to um, kiss the feet of of the cross that Jesus was on. Um, I remember them having to wipe it down for that, but they never passed out wine at my masses. Maybe they couldn't afford it. (laughs) <laughs> this this just sounds like a massive health risk. I mean, uh, I kind of imagine people kissing the statue's so feet. Oh. And often you see stories about the, the cross of Jesus shedding tears. It just turns out it's either cooking oil or, or, a leak, or uh, like a leaky pipe. Or, but you never hear a story about the cross of Jesus contracting athlete's foot and then... <laughs> <laughs> sharing that round the entire communion. Just gets a bit of herpes yeah, on it. Yeah, everyone's got a little bit of herpes little to bit. take away for the day. In a doggy bag. I, did, I, I always made sure not to actually kiss it, but just to kind of kiss the air before it, because I didn't want to kiss it after some old old granite just slobbered all so, over it. Well, that, so you, perhaps you're smarter than you're giving yourself credit for. The, the Paris Hilton-style air kiss, just uh, <laughs> just <laughs> between the... <laughs> between the t- uh, yeah. Just dodge the toes. <laughs> and uh, so your local communities, how religious are we talking here? And do they impact your day-to-day living? Uh, well, for me, not really. I mean, I, I don't, people don't really talk religion. There's not a lot of, you know, Bible bashers around here. Um, it's a pretty uh, liberal, I guess I would say, sort of. Nation, I mean, I guess, or, uh, city, um, that, you know, it's sort of near a college town. That sort of helps. Um, 
a lot of young people. Um, there's even, uh, actually, there's a atheist meetup that's about to start uh, next month, I believe, in Appleton, which is just like a mile down the street from me. So, Oh, that's awesome. It, there, there was an yeah. atheist church gathering in England. Did you read about that at all? Um, well, I heard about that. I would oh. like to hear what Save the Freak has to say about that. Mm. No, I've, I've not heard anything about that. Um, in answer to your original question, though, it was never a big thing in the community. Like I said, there were just lots of old people, and um, yeah, it's, it's not a place where you'd, you know, like, announce your atheism and go around denouncing religion, because they wouldn't even put up much of a fight. They'd just go like, oh, well, you're entitled to your beliefs, yada yada. It's like, oh, you're boring. <laughs> it's that polite English mentality, isn't it? It's very polite, very English, cup of tea with the vicar sort of thing, except it was a priest. When I was in England, I lived in Sheffield for about 18 months. And, oh, yeah. Um, but Leeds especially, I used to go to Leeds quite often for work. And in the, the north of England, I noticed that there's a lot of an Islamic... This would have been oh, probably six or eight years ago. There's a, a growing Islamic community, and that's having a big impact on... England at the moment. Uh, we made reference to it earlier with the English Defence League, uh, who are just equally crazy in my opinion, but what's the vibe over there, certainly with, with your age group, the younger people? Um, well, uh, by the way, if anybody can hear me very closely, they'll have just heard the local church bells ringing in the background. Um, <laughs> local I live in a kind of shitty area, because it's all that I can afford at the moment, and there is... I think there's a mosque just down the road. Um, there's a, f- a few more that I, I've gone past locally. Um, it's not, like, big or major or anything like that, but you, you see a lot of um, Islamic people walking around and um, doing doing their funky stuff, but I've never had any any trouble from there or anything like that. I, I've never seen personally like the English Defence League or anything like that. I won't associate myself with anybody like that. Yeah, and anybody who expresses those sorts of views, I'll distance myself from. Yeah, they're pretty radical and I think they're probably best avoided. Yeah, I would say so. They're basically just dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite a lot of hooliganism. Very much so. That's all they want to do. They just want to fight people. But the the atheist church, I did read about that. It did start in London, I believe, and they had on their first day, or their first service, there were comedians in this <laughs> gathering. Uh, everybody just got together, spoke about atheism. It was really, really cool. It made the news headlines here in Australia because we're quite atheistic. Yes. In Australia, it's, I think there's, there's about 20% of the population who announce that on the census that we're atheists, at, the, at least. Uh, our Prime Minister's an atheist, at least, Yay. at least until the election. I don't think, uh, <laughs> that's gonna change. Well, I, I think it will. God kicks them out. Most likely change. We'll head over to the, the other government, and the other government is run by a guy called Tony Abbott. I elaborated a little bit on this in the previous podcast. I think, actually I may have edited that out. Um, the opposition leader, his name is Tony Abbott, and he trained to be a priest for 12 years. So the idea of him getting into government, a lot of the big businesses are very yeah. happy with the idea because it's certainly going to benefit them. But having a religious nutbag running the show, it, what frightens me about it is that the critical thinking abilities of somebody should be judged, if they're going to be a leader, then you should be able to quiz them and say, look, do you actually believe that one person was made out of another person by an omnipotent being from a rib? Yeah. 
And if they can't give you a straight answer, then they shouldn't be able to... They shouldn't be in power. (laughs) And yet, over in the States, you (laughs) have to believe that stuff to get into office. Yeah, you can't... We had Bush for eight years here, you know. It's just like he openly believed, you know, in in basically a fundamentalist approach to Christian Christianity. Mm. I don't I don't think he openly uh protested openly said he didn't believe in evolution, but anyone who doesn't believe in evolution or believes like Adam said, you know, that a man that a woman was made from a dude's rib or that a man was formed out of dirt um this isn't really looking around at the world around him. Do you think Bush would have understood evolution, even if it was drawn to uh, drawn in pictures for him? Well, I, I'd like to, I'd like to think that he's not as stupid as he sort of seems. I I, I would tend to agree with you there because you you don't yeah. you don't get to a position of power without being incredibly clever. And I don't think he could be as stupid as he seems. No, he um I heard an anecdotal story about there was a female debater. I, her name escapes me, but uh, incredibly sassy, very, very smart, very well-spoken, very eloquent. And time and time again, Bush would annihilate her in debate. But when it came to being in the public eye, he would play dumb. I, and I just can't understand the reasoning behind it. I think, is, is it just to keep people guessing? Maybe it's to um, to relate to uh, certain people in America. It's <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite well, insulting. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's really. why it's certain, certain some of the people. people some some of us Americans are a little uh I don't know, when you look or when you when you ask uh when you do a poll and you know almost half of the people in the country believe in creationism, it's yeah. it's a problem. Well I, I think last time I mean I, I wanna say it's about a third, but it's it's over that. I mean I wanna maybe forty percent believe in the creationism story uh yeah but i uh, richard dawkins seems to think that the number of atheists is actually quite a bit higher a lot of people identify with a certain religion because that's what their tradition dictates this is you know they were baptized they go to church twice a year to keep up with the joneses and they do it to appease those around them they're, they're not outwardly atheistic right and there's also there's figures that the say for example the catholic church gives uh, on their numbers, you know, which is in the world globally over a billion members, but that's based on amount of people baptized. Weren't, weren't there nine and, billion Catholics? I was, was baptized, that? and that's what I'm saying. You can't really, you know, I didn't have a choice of whether to be baptized. I was, I was sort of an infant at the time, you know. No one asked me, "Do you believe in God?" You do. No, okay, you, you do believe in God. God <laughs> you will. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was. You do believe in God. I'm making the choice for you. Let me pour a little water over your head, and now you're a Catholic. <laughs> if that's the prerequisite for becoming a Catholic, every time I hop in the shower... <laughs> if you hop in well, the shower with a priest, then... Um... Yeah, you're definitely a Catholic. <laughs> 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 there's been a... I know certainly in Ireland, which isn't England, but uh, there's, over in Australia there's been a huge amount of interest in what the Catholic Church has been doing with... young people for quite a long time now and it spans many 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 decades there's a gentleman by the name of peter fox Uh, he's a detective inspector in in newcastle which is not your newcastle it's our third world country newcastle here about an hour and a half north of sydney and he exposed quite or he, he was the reason that 
we've now begun a royal commission into child abuse throughout all the different institutions. So that spans every institution. However, the ones that we hear about most, and I think we're up to about 800 and something cases of abused children, the ones that we hear about most are in the church. And many of these people go on to commit suicide as a result. They're just so messed up. It's terrifying. Yeah, that's been in the news headlines over here in Australia. I don't know if it's even made the news over in the States. Um, yeah, it's it's been for several years now, sort of a headline. What I find the worst about it is sort of the systematic cover-up mm. of the actual, of like the, the higher authorities in the Vatican. Like, these people knew that this is going on, and instead of like getting rid of these priests quietly, they didn't even get rid of the priests that are committing these crimes. It's probably like the worst crime that you can commit, basically. Um, well, as, far, get rid of them. as far as crimes they, go, I would think that child abuse is up there. <laughs> yeah, and they they don't they don't you know sort of get rid of them. They move them to other parishes where they can you know now get, sort of get a fresh start and leather rinse repeat. inevitably. Yeah, inevitably the same thing happens there. Mm. Yeah, how do you... My opinion, and it is only opinion, is that we're all... We, we have evolved to be sexually attracted to other people. Now, whether that's male, female, transgender, lesbian, bi, whatever. We've evolved to, at some point in our life, become sexually active. And that point is puberty. Now, in the Dark Ages, people were getting pregnant at 14, 15, 16... They'd have their children, they'd be dead by the time they're 35. And as life expectancies have increased, and and education, and certainly women, education of women has allowed them to postpone their procreation. It's not normal to not be attracted to other people. So what compels religious types to go and praise God, put themselves in a situation where they're sexually frustrated for their entire lives? Yeah. I, I I don't get it. Yeah, because that's of, one of the problems. Book that I've, says so, and it doesn't. It doesn't really even say that the the priest celibacy thing is not a, as far as I know. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Not a biblical, scriptural thing. It's more of an institutional tradition, um, and basically turning, trying to turn that that sort of sexual drive off for life seems counterintuitive, hmm. and it sort of I think sets up this thing where now you've got. These guys are basically living, you know, fighting against these urges, and now you're surrounded by, you know, young adults when you're supposed to be in a position of authority. Mm. Yeah, it, it's a really weird thing to want to do. The, the, as humans, we've had the ability to uh, hamper people's sexual urges and change the way people's bodies grow up. So a good example of that, let's take Rome, Italy, the castrati, where they were... Before puberty, they had their testicles removed, castrated, and that stopped puberty from coming on. So these men, who were the only guys who were able to perform in theatre, because, of course, we're not allowed to have women on stages and singing and so forth, because that would be ridiculous, um, (laughs) would have these beautiful high voices, and the the voices would never change. The voices would never break, so they could play the roles of women. If you decided that you were to become a priest, you could remove most of that sexual urge by becoming castrated, either physically or or chemically. But morality has dictated that people should be able to make their own decisions, and there are things that you can do to people or children 
before they turn 18, there are things that you can't. So as an 11-year-old, you can't say to your 11-year-old, okay, I think you're probably going to become a priest. Do you mind just popping these on the chopping block for a sec? We're going to whip them off for you because this is going to be your job for the rest of your life. Can't do it. What we can do, however, is take a child, pour some water on their head, stick them on the stone altar, and cut off the end of their genitalia with a sharp rock. <laughs> so... The, the line is a little bit ambiguous there. <laughs> you know, we, we can say to a child, okay, you're going to be circumcised for the rest of your life, but we're not going to remove all of your sexual capacity, so on and so forth. Unless, of course, you're in Egypt, in which 80%, I read these stats the other day, 80% of Egyptian women are circumcised. It's technically illegal, and the other day, a young girl died as a result of it. Yeah, I read that. And the doctor who performed it did three on that day and had one of them die. So, well, one out of three is bad, yeah. I would think. These these are parents who are making decisions for their children that will impact them for the rest of their lives. And the worst thing about that story, actually, is is not... I mean, it's it's a disgusting, disgusting practice... But the quote from the mother of the girl who died, she was calling for justice uh, of the doctor. She was blaming him. Mm. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you took your daughter to be mutilated and basically remove most of her sexual urges for the rest of her life. And you're blaming the dude who you asked to do it? Yeah, mm. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, Richard Dawkins wrote a tweet to the same effect, yeah. It was, it, what, a, what a horrible thing to do. <laughs> anyway, let's move on, shall we? <laughs> let's move on. Yeah. So what, what podcasts are you guys listening to at the moment? Uh, well, right now, I'm a, well, I've finished most of their, most of their stuff, but actually the, the YouTube, uh, channel for the Bible Reloaded. Those guys are pretty um, cool. Yeah, they're they're pretty hilarious, and their their main thing is that they read through the Bible and sort of point out the, the stupid bits and sort of make fun of it a little, and it's all pretty funny. Um, I, I noticed somebody put up a tweet the other day and said, "We can't wait for the Quran reloaded." <laughs> yeah, <I'm> serious, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like uh, like uh, the no the no God cast. I've watched a few of those. Yeah, tennis are cool. Yeah. So those are, that's pretty much it. Um, I, I do like the, it's not a podcast really also, it's, uh, the atheist experience. Oh, Matt, um, Matt Dillahunty's a, a god amongst yeah, men, isn't he? Dillahunty's fantastic. And all, actually all of them really, um, uh, I like all of them. Then they're, they're all available online too. Have you had a chance to listen to Cognitive Dissidents? I have not. Please write that down. Uh, I will because do that's, uh, that's a couple of guys who basically spend the better part of an hour laughing hysterically at each other and <laughs> picking apart stories in the news. So they don't have guests on their show that it's just the two of them. They get together once a week and go, okay, so what absolutely ridiculous things happened in the news this week in the religious world? And off they go. And you, you find it, it's like sitting in a conversation with friends. Just listening into what your friends are saying. It's, they're, they're so what good. What is it again? Cognitive dissonance. I'll, uh, I'll put a link to it in the, uh, in the show notes for this one. And what have you been listening to, Save the Free? You know what? I can't say that I listen to many podcasts. I kind of do my own research in terms of, um, just reading certain books or watching certain shows or things like that. I've never been into podcasts personally, so 
Yeah. Where do you source your material? Where are you finding that you're getting interesting stuff from? Uh, a lot of it's, you know, the typical generic things. Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, etc. Kind of the main ones. And then just going online and um, reading certain things and developing my own sort of arguments, counter-arguments for it. Hmm. So... Well, I've been enjoying your tweets. I think they're pretty humorous. Uh, I was having I was having a um, lovely chat with a guy earlier today, and every point that I raised, he simply ignored. Brought up a new one. At the end of it, he just said, uh, "I'm not I'm not going to discuss anything with someone who doesn't believe in a religion. Why would I talk to you?" My my reply was just kind of, "Why have you been talking to me?" Why <laughs> because he thinks he can save your soul. Oh damn! Islam will save my soul. It will. How do you guys? Okay, well, here's a random question. How do you want to be disposed of when you go? I've actually thought about this, and I've, uh, my dad sort of always was, uh, he was a big uh, nature buff, kind of, and he always sort of said, you know, when someone dies, cremation is really so much better for the environment. And I'm like, well, yeah, that, that makes sense. And But then I looked at, there's a, what we call, I don't know if they have these in uh, Australia or in the UK, but... Uh, these green funerals. Oh, now I've, uh, I've seen that they're like a bio. Um, well, it's it's sort of uh, they they don't, you don't get embalmed or anything like that. You're basically just sort of, from what I've seen, sort of draped in cloth and buried without a coffin. So you're basically just going back to the <laughs> earth, I guess. If you want, well, if you want to. D- d- snap, if you want to get spiritual about it, snap frozen and then bashed into the ground like a tent pig. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and you save the freak. Your thoughts when you go? Uh, me personally, I'm signed up to various um, registers. Well, that sounds a bit weird. Um, things like organ donation, I would happily donate my body to to science uh, if Excellent. when I when I die. Good man. That I think is the most sensible way of doing it. My my first inclination is to give absolutely everything from my body that can help somebody else. So skin, oh, eyeballs, the rest of it, I have no need for it once I'm gone. Um, yeah, I've, and if Michael Jackson was still around, she'd, he'd be welcome <laughs> to my foreskin for a new set of eyelids. <laughs> um, uh, when, I, when I am gone, there's programs that you can do through universities where once they've taken all your organs for organ donation, the cadaver, what's, whatever's left over, the scraps, can be given to medical students to practice autopsies. And yeah. one body is able to get is able to qualify eight doctors. Well, that's kind of unbelievable. I, I mean, it's isn't that that's really the most sensible and really altruistic way to go, isn't it? If you the, there, you can't really do anything after you're dead. But if your remains can save lives and train other people to save lives, that seems like a no-brainer. It seems like a no-brainer. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I suppose they can't use the brain for. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. There's, it's a really worrying thing for me because organ donation, there are so many people out there who need a kidney, need a liver, and the rest of it. And I'm, I used to give blood, terrified of needles, so I'd work myself up into a state before I'd walk in and give blood and then almost pass out as I was <laughs> having this stuff siphoned from my, <laughs> from my veins. And as a result, it just became a bit too stressful for me. And, decided to to pass that i i wouldn't give an organ while i'm still alive put it that way if, if it was for somebody like an immediate family member and they needed a kidney to survive and i was a compatible donor 
then I would give it very, very serious thought. I think if more people were to donate their organs once they died, then that would reduce the need for people to give organs while they still have a current use for them and they're genetically compatible with the rest of your body because you do have to take quite a a number of drugs to the the anti-rejection drugs. So it's better to keep your organs, obviously, for as long as you can. But (laughs) in in the state of New South Wales, we've got a whole bunch of states around Australia. It's pretty similar to counties or or states in the US. We've got in New South Wales, which is where Sydney is based, it's the most populous state. There were, last year, 80 organ donors when they died. And there would have been tens of thousands of people who passed over the course of that year, and 80 of them donated organs, which I think is pretty disgusting. Pretty shoddy. One of the problems with it is, and I had this discussion with my mum the other day, I said, Mum, when you go, what would you like done with you? And she said, well, I'd kind of like for my organs to go and help other people, but I don't want it to impact you guys. I don't want you to get upset about it. And I said, well, this is probably a discussion you want to have with us while we're still alive. Because the problem with it is, as soon as you are dead, then your ability to make a decision is no longer relevant. And it's left to other people who are going to guess what they think you might have wanted. Or they'll make a decision based on their ethics and their principles and what they believe. So the problem with it is, I've got two sisters, there's there's three of us. What happens if mum goes and the other two say, oh, look, we'd rather just preserve her body because that's how we feel. It's something you have to do while you're still alive to help others. So let me put it on the record now, guys. If if ever I'm in a car crash, I want to be hooked up to the ventilator and then I want people to come along and salvage what they can. Yeah. See, what I don't, what I don't understand, one thing about, uh, you know, people not wanting to donate the organs for religious reasons, if you believe in the soul, uh, it's, then your body is no longer really relevant after you're dead. I don't know why you would want to preserve it. Uh, just, just for, just for appearance's sake, really, is all I can think of. It's a pretty vague concept, isn't it, the soul? Because the religious types seem to think that a soul is pulled out of the soul bank at the moment of conception. So when you've got one cell that's about to divide. And then, once you're dead, where does this, well, the soul goes somewhere else, off transcendence, off to some other mystical place. But it's not something that, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't necessarily see that I have a soul. What always is right, me is uh, how old are you when you're in heaven? Because you're always depicted as a fit 26-year-old, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, what, what, if, what if you die when you're a child? Do you suddenly grow up? What if you die when you're really old? Do you kind of de-age? That's a what really if good you, question. What, what, about, what about a miscarriage? Are there loads of fetuses just flopping about heaven? I mean... It, it doesn't, yeah, I think, doesn't make sense. I think I think it's sort of like the Matrix, you know, where it's like your your ideal <laughs> thought of yourself gets gets you know, what do you call it? Uh, residual oh, yeah. self-image. It's what you want yourself to look like. That's what you look like. <laughs> uh, look, if ever I go to heaven, I just want everybody <laughs> to see that I have a six-pack. <laughs> no, but that look, that's something that I'd never considered. What do you look like when you go to heaven, and what is the basis for it? Do they extrapolate? you to what you would have looked like? Well, you're certainly glowing or have a halo or something like that. There seems to be a lot of glowing going on in every depiction I see of heaven. Everything's so... 
Yeah, everything's so fluorescent. <laughs> also, what what mental age would you be? If you die a child, would you still have a child mind? Uh, if you die with dementia, would you still have dementia in heaven? Uh, <laughs> I'd, like to th- I'd like to think that my grandpa is wandering around heaven. <laughs> Just going, <laughs> just going, just going to the fridge, and and God's standing there tapping, tapping him on the shoulder, and going, no, look, no, get away from that. So Grandpa goes and gets in the the, the horseless chariot to drive off down the shops. No, sorry, Grandpa, come back here. No, come back here. No, just sit pulled, down. Pulled by heaven, police. Here's the Bible. Please have a read. <laughs> I think yeah, it's no, question. One thing I don't understand is. Uh, the the where do all the new souls come from? There's now almost seven billion people on the planet that that oh. that came from the tiny population of humans in Africa. Well, Presumably, on, the, t- the tiny population I think was two, wasn't it? Well, according apparently, well, yeah, according to them, there were there were two. So twice, so it's a very shallow gene pool. Yeah, as, <laughs> as are, are new souls being created or? Is there like this gigantic, is there like a planet of souls it, that it would sort of have to be, one comes each time? It would have to be somebody in purgatory, someone halfway between heaven and hell, who has the printing press for <laughs> new souls. And he goes, okay, well, hang on, we've got, we've got Mr. Mr. Chin, he's about to be conceived in China, so we're going to need to fabricate him up a Chinese soul. Could someone... Hey, can you bring over the jumper leads? We're going to need to get this thing fired. Yeah, okay, and action. <laughs> and there's your soul. Because is it is it God who creates the souls? Is it because then there's souls going to hell? It seems like he's kind of feeding the opposition here. It's, 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 yeah, another nonsensical impossible uh, impossibility. God creates the soul. God creates man. Sends half of them to hell. Sends half of them to hell. Well, half really. Because there's, well, not, no, there's, okay, a, okay. there's only one billion Catholics, if, well, the figures <laughs> are to be believed. So there's, there's five or six, yeah, there's five or six billion others who presumably aren't going to that heaven. What about all the people before Christianity? Did, did they immediately go to hell? I saw a very good picture the other day. Oh, no, it was a quote. There was a, a priest talking to an Eskimo. Oh, I saw that. That was well good. Yeah. Go on. It was, well, no, no, you explain it. Sure, um, from what I recall, the Eskimo asks, so if, if I hadn't heard of this person, would I have still been able to get into heaven? And they reply, well yes, of course you would, because you hadn't have heard of them. So the Eskimo replies, so why did you tell me? (laughs) (laughs) I, I remember asking that question to Mrs. Cross. I'll, I'll take it back to her because, oh, God bless her (laughs) cotton socks. She was a good, she was a good egg. I said, so what about these poor kids in Africa? They, they probably haven't, although now they, I would say they have all heard of God and they've got to keep the prayers up. But how, if they hadn't heard, what's going to happen? She'd go, oh, no, God, God will take their souls because they, they didn't have the ability or they didn't have the opportunity to learn about God. What nonsense. Nonsense! But she genuinely believed in what she was saying. Hmm. All right, well, uh, we might just go to a quick... Subject change and uh, find out a little bit more about you guys. What do you do in your spare time? What do you do for... What interests you? Do you play computer uh, games? Do you play sport? Uh, I like, I like uh, you know, like I said before, hobbies. I do a lot of wood carving. I draw. Um, a little addicted to Twitter for the past couple of months. I find I'm just constantly on my little phone, you know, tweeting and tweeting back and... 
Uh, but no, I mean, I also like writing a little bit. Um, not a lot in my spare time, really. You were recently banned from Twitter, weren't you? I was banned. Well, I wasn't banned. I was suspended. And this sort of happens a lot as I've come to figure out as I've sort of researched the topic since the last, since in the last 24 hours since they suspended <laughs> me. Um, uh, it, it's all really based. It's, it's, it's all really, it's, it's automated. Hmm. So, uh, for example, if you get blocked by too many people, they suspend you. If you get um, reported as spam by too many people, they suspend you. Hmm. Um, the only, like I looked at all the rules and they sort of send you an email. Hmm. Um, uh, the only thing I can think of is that people have seen my tweets with other maybe uh, like sort of anti-evolutionists that I've been debating or whatever, and and blocked me without me even ever interacting with them. Mm-hmm. So if I get a lot of blocks, I'm suspended automatically. And so what you have to do is you have to email Twitter back, and you have to say, I think this is a mistake, look into it, and then I think finally a human actually looks at it. <laughs> but it takes a few days, so I have to wait. Well, welcome back to Twitter. I look forward to doing battle with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have my little backup account. It's uh, it's at Atrum Atheist. Oh, okay. So that's my that's my temporary sort of fake account. I, I hope Twitter doesn't hear this because they might uh, have an objection. To oh, that. don't worry. Nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> 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 All right, and save the freak. What do you get up to in your spare time? Um, you know, if you look at any of my pictures, they're mainly motorcycle related. So I do, I do a lot of motorcycling, um, that's what me and my friends do, we're all obsessed with that, so, um, a lot of that, um, our house is a gamer household, we've got about five games consoles, three gaming PCs, we send a lot of our lives sat in computers, oh, in front is, of computers. There is a heaven. <laughs> oh, thank you, oh, that is my version of heaven, just like a big gaming room. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's mainly that and that, um, I do, I make videos as well on YouTube of my motorcycling adventures, all this sort of stuff. Um, kind of creative, I enjoy acting and things like that, so, yeah, uh, just random stuff, really. Excellent. Amazing, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, I'm just really enjoying meeting new people and finding out what they do. Every the, the one nice thing about atheism is you can call somebody up and have a discussion on a level playing field. Yeah. And there's been no arguing. We've all pretty much been in agreement, but it's it's very much an insight into how other people who are very similar to you go about living their lives. For sure. Hmm. So, gentlemen, I think we might wrap it up. I've, thank you very much for partaking in the Herd Mentality podcast, and I look forward to seeing you on Twitter. Absolutely. Thank it's you. It's been real fun. Take care.